All right, well, we are going to continue in the Gospel of Mark. And I can tell you that the Gospel of Mark is not broke down today. So uh, we are in chapter 6. We are in verse 14. And today we're going to look at verses 14 through 29. And so our text today, uh, if you have a tablet or anything, if you have the YouVersion app on that, you can actually go to events on the YouVersion app, and you can actually see the text for, you can click on events, and it'll say Lifebrook, and you can pull up all the text and everything, unless that's not working. Uh, and then if you have a good old-fashioned Bible, that'd probably be the best thing to use today, okay? Uh, so... Uh, But in our text today, verses 14 through 29, uh, we're going to deal with a really uh, a tragedy today, Uh, and it's the tragic death uh, of John the Baptist. And so uh, in verses 14 through 29, Mark discussed the character of John and the tragic reason Uh, for his untimely death. And so uh, the text, what it actually does is it deals with John's death in retrospect. So as we read through this passage and we look at this passage of Scripture, it's actually taking place after his actual death, okay? Uh, John's untimely death is not, however, the only tragedy that we're going to see in this passage today. Uh, In fact, several commentaries Uh, as you study this passage of Scripture, uh, present the fact that John wasn't uh, the only death that took place on the day uh, that John died, that actually Herod's conscience uh, also died that day. And so Herod, who we're going to see in this passage, is the reason for John's death. Herod was confronted with an abundance of truth And this appears to be the moment when his conscience was seared. It's at this moment that with the abundance of the truth that is revealed to him, that his conscience is seared, never again being sensitive to the Spirit of God. And I bring this text to you today because i got to be honest with you, as we read through this today, this is something that I have fear for those who don't know Jesus, that this may happen to them, that this may take place. And so while this text today, it reveals a very tragic set of events in time, it also reveals for us what I believe are going to be some very powerful lessons for us to grab a hold of today. Because you see, what I want us to begin by understanding today is that the devastating effects of sin and the tragedy of neglecting our Lord can have eternal consequences if we're not careful. Amen? So I hope our hearts are fixed on the Lord and with a committed desire to serve Him. And so as we dive into this today, I want to open up with a word of prayer, and then I want us just to break down this passage and see where God takes us today. Amen? All right, so let's close our eyes. I want to just take one minute of silence, and I want you just for 60 seconds, I just want you to sit here in silence, and I just want you to spend a moment or two in your mind focusing on the Lord and letting him become the center at this moment, okay? One minute.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. And Lord, I pray that more than anything today that your words would be spoken here. Lord, I ask that you remove any distractions, anything that's going to keep us from focusing completely on you and hearing what you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to my heart and mind, and may the words that come out of my mouth be your words and yours alone. We pray this in your most precious name. Amen. So I want to begin today by talking about the arrest of John. All right? So in verse 17 through 20, these verses deal with the arrest and they deal with the imprisonment of John. And so, first of all, let's talk about the reason. All right? In verse 17 and 18, it says, For Herod himself had given orders to arrest John and to chain him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. John had been telling Herod, it's unlawful for you to have your brother's wife. All right, so this is where it begins. So while we don't have a lot of details uh, about John's life, about his ministry, what we do have is enough to know that he was a very bold, outspoken preacher. All right? And he was committed to the ways of God, and when he saw something that he knew was wrong, he didn't hesitate to speak it out. He didn't hesitate to call it out. And here in this passage of Scripture, at this time, Herod had taken his brother's wife and married her. All right? And according to historical accounts, Herod and his wife, his previous wife, had visited Herod, or Philip, his brother, and her, this is like a soap opera, you know? And these are the days of our lives, all right? And so Herod and his first wife, they visit Philip and his wife Herodias in Rome, all right? And while there, Herod and Herodias, you know, and a relationship, adulterous relationship begins, leading Herod and Herodias, can you imagine their kids? How do you, Herod and Herodias, I don't know. Anyway, leading them to leave their spouses, all right, for each other. Being the man he was, okay, John, he challenges Herod on this. He says, listen, you're committing adultery here, buddy, all right? Yeah, this is unlawful. I don't care if you are the king. You, this, this is unlawful for you to do what you're doing, all right? Well, this, this obviously angered Herod, all right? I mean, he wasn't, Herod didn't respond by going, oh, you know, you're right. Gosh, I've got to go take her back, don't I? No, Herod got ticked, all right? It doesn't say he was ticked in the Bible. That word's not actually in the Bible. Uh, he was upset, all right? And so he throws John into prison, all right? Now, unfortunately, this attitude and resentment toward biblical preaching uh, that I see going on here has remained since Jesus' time. As I read through this and as I read through this, uh, 
he was accused and arrested uh, and, and, and I think about Jesus who was accused and arrested and then crucified, okay? And, and, then, and then I think of, uh, I think of uh, Paul who was imprisoned and then he was beheaded for preaching the gospel. And then I think about our society today, how often I see in the world rejection and irritation and, and, and those being upset at the truth of the gospel and so the gospel is rejected. And so we see this happening all throughout history. And the world, it resents biblical preaching. And the reason why the world re re resents biblical preaching is because what it does is it confronts sin. All right? And it reveals our brokenness and it reveals our need for a Savior. All right? So what I want to tell you, and the reason I say all that, is because all the way back to Herod, we see the same behavior that carries out even today. All right? So Herod arrests him, throws him in jail, 17 and 18. We go on to verse 19, and it goes on and it says, So Herodias, okay, that's Herod's wife, all right, she held a grudge against him, and wanted to kill him, but she could not. All right, so let's move on in this. So while Mark, the gospel of Mark, typically moves at a quicker pace uh, than other gospels, remember back when I told you why I was preaching through the gospel of Mark? Remember when I told God said I was supposed to preach through a gospel? And I was like, oh, that's a lot. I don't think I can do that. And God said, yes, you can. And I said, no, I can't. And he said, yes, you can. And I said, okay. And then he gave me the option to pick a gospel, and I picked the, the shortest one. You know? So I picked Mark because Mark often moves pretty fast. All right? Because I kind of move pretty fast. You know? But in this, we see uh, a little bit slower pace. Mark, he typically moves at a quicker pace than other Gospels, revealing less detail. But for some reason or another, in this story, he offers a little bit more insight into John's tragic death, okay? So while Herod was not pleased with John's boldness and his condemnation, he had not yet given the order to have him executed. In other words, Herod threw him in jail because he was mad, but he wasn't ready to kill him, okay? Matthew and, and, and Luke, uh, when you go to those two Gospels, which we're not preaching out of those Gospels, remember, we're preaching out of Mark, okay? Matthew and Luke, they reveal that he feared an uprising over, uh, from the Jews uh, due to the popularity of John. And so in Matthew and Luke, it kind of gives the indication the reason that uh, Herod hadn't killed him yet is because of the fear of an uprising, okay? Uh, we'll discover, however, here in the Gospel of Mark, that although Herod was angry with John, he held an undeniable interest in him. It appears that although Herod re refused to admit his sin, he knew that John was speaking the truth. Herodias wanted his head, but Herod was experiencing a level, level 
of condemnation. He was experiencing a level of guilt. He, in his mind, in his heart, knew that what John was speaking to him was correct. And so at this moment, Herod had secured him in jail, but he wasn't ready to kill him. And you know, it's interesting that as we read through this and we see this part here, if we continue to see this attitude, it seems, in my opinion, uh, even today as well. You know, many are, and I see this all the time, many are, are angered when biblical preaching addresses their particular sin, all right? There have been many times when I have stood up here and I've preached on something and people have left angry at me, all right? They're angry, all right? They're upset, okay? Because they know they've heard the truth, all right? Outwardly, they hate the message and the messenger, but we see this even in our society today. Even today, they hate the message, they hate the messenger, but deep within, their hearts are convicted by the truth that they've heard. You see, my responsibility as a pastor, my responsibility as the shepherd of this church is not to always make you happy. It's not, always, it's not to always make you feel good either. My responsibility is to speak the truth. All right? And if sometimes the truth doesn't feel good, if sometimes the truth angers you, if sometimes the truth makes you want to punch me, all right, hopefully not that, trip me out in the hall maybe a little bit, all right? I don't like it when you're upset at me, but it's more important for you to hear the truth than it is for you to be okay with me, all right? Now, if you're upset with me because I'm not speaking the truth, that's a whole nother ball game, all right? And we'll not even go there today. And so we see this happening. We see this happening here. We see that Herod is upset with John. He is angry with John. He has thrown John in jail. He is not happy with the message that John has given him. But down deep in his heart, he is convicted by the truth that he's heard. Now Herodias, she just wants him dead. All right? So let's move on. Verse 20, it says, Because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing he was righteous and holy. That was the reason why Herodias couldn't have him killed. When Herod heard him, he would be very perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. All right? So what Mark reveals here about Herod is he reveals the true feelings of Herod toward John, all right? He would never have allowed his feelings to be known publicly, but Herod had a great deal of respect for John, all right? He knew John as holy and as a just man. He had watched his life, and he knew that John practiced what he preached, all right? So Herod listened attentively when John spoke, keenly interested in his words of truth. Herod would not admit it, but the truth of John 
shared the truth that came from John, it brought conviction to him. And while he refused to submit to the Lord's will, it is apparent that Herod was interested in the preaching of this wilderness preacher. All right? And I think about that, and I think again, I bring that back to us today. I bring that right here to 21st century Bethalto, Illinois. And there are many around us that would never admit it, but they know that God's word is true. Some even joy hearing the word preached. There are people that come to church. I guarantee you there are people in church here and across this community right now that they enjoy hearing the message, the gospel. They're entertained by the crazy pastors and the way that they present the gospel. They enjoy hearing it. They enjoy receiving it. But like Herod, they're not yet ready to abandon their life, their styles, the things that they value, the things that they find to be important, some of which, I'm just going to call it what it is, some of which is sin. They won't let it go, but they're intrigued by the word. And that's what's happening with Herod here, okay? So now we move to verse 21 through 29, and this is the execution, okay? And so let's talk about the celebration that takes place that brings this all together, okay? Makes this happen, okay? Verse 21 and 22, it says, An opportune time came on his birthday when Herod gave a banquet for his nobles, military commanders, and leading men of Galilee. They all came, all right? And when Herodias' own daughter came in and danced. Now we're starting to get an even deeper level of sin here, okay? She pleased Herod and his guest. Then the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. You see, let me just do a side note. That's what sin does, all right? You see, when, when we allow sin to seep into our lives, when we allow sin to creep in, what happens is sin is so appealing that it causes us to surrender at times what we know is right in order to experience the pleasure of that sin. And so in this moment, Herod says to this daughter, ask me whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. So during this celebration for Herod's birthday, Herodias hatches a devious plan to kill John the Baptist. Now this is like a suspense thriller. In order to fully understand the depravity involved, we need to know a bit about the family of Herod, okay? Herodias, now listen, Herodias was actually the daughter of his half-brother, Aristobulus. There's a name, okay? So Philip and Herod both were actually married to their nieces, 
And so at his birthday celebration, Herodias sent her young daughter in to perform a sensual and suggestive dance to arouse the men gathered there. This is like a PG-13 story. Knowing this would please Herod and those gathered with him. So she did this on purpose, all right? And we discover all of this was with a specific purpose, but it also what it did is it reveals the utter lack of morality and decency expected within any family unit. None of us here today in our family units, I hope, would expect or even conceive this kind of behavior. The point here is this. Listen, folks. Sin always deceives and produces fruit inconsistent with the word of God. Did you hear that? Sin always deceives and it produces fruit inconsistent with the word of God. The family unit we see here, and I would challenge the family unit in our world today as a whole, is under attack. And when the boundaries for marriage, for raising your children, the boundaries of what it means to be a godly family unit, when those things are abandoned, anything is possible. And we need to be aware of that. It is so important for us as the church to help those around us understand what God's intention is for the family. What a godly family looks like. Folks, it's not, it's not just about putting on good shows, having good programs, being a, 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 a source of joy in the community. It is about us helping people to understand what it means to be godly, to be whole, to be what our Lord and Savior created us to be. And so here we see this. We see the reality that sin always deceives. And it's never going to produce anything that lines up with the word of God. And that's what's happening here in Herod's family. And so in verse 22 through 25, it says this. It says, the king said to the girl, yet again, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He promised her with an oath. He said, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. Dude, she must have mesmerized him. I'm telling you, half of the kingdom. Wow. She went out and she said to her mother, what should I ask for? And her mother didn't even hesitate. It wasn't, oh, this thing, half the kingdom, gold, silver, on a bigger house. No, she didn't hesitate. She went, John the Baptist's head. I want John the Baptist's head. 
I want the one that is influencing my husband's brain. I want the one that's getting in the way of me having whatever I want. You see, if I take John the Baptist's head, I get everything. I don't get just half the kingdom. I get it all. That's what Herodias was thinking in her mind. I want John the Baptist's head. And at once she hurried to the king and said, I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a platter immediately. I'm serious. This is some good reading, isn't it? I'm telling you, you don't find anything like this on Netflix. <laughs> serious. This is, this, is, this is intense, you know? You see, what this shows us also is that sin has no limitations. Sin has no boundaries. Sin does not play by any rules whatsoever. Nothing is assumed off limits to the desires and intent of a wicked heart, all right? Much misery and suffering have come as a result of sin and ungodly desires. Can I get an amen to that? John was innocent, but he was hated for his preaching. Herodias was determined to silence the voice of her accuser, even if it required a senseless murder. And so that leads us to verse 26 through 29. In verse 26 it says, And although the king was deeply distressed, he was distressed because of his oath and the guests, he did not want to refuse her. The king immediately sent for an executioner and commanded him to bring John's head. So he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When John's disciples heard about it, they came and removed his corpse and placed it in a tomb. For those of you who are first-time guests here today, what a sermon to be your first sermon. <laughs> wow. You see, what's happening here is pride and arrogance caused devastation. Many agree to actions that are wrong simply because they refuse to admit their own need. That is going on in our world today. That's going on in our lives today. Bitterness and hatred left alone will fester until you lose all compassion for others. I am convinced that we live in a culture, the reason why we just had two shootings back to back that took place is because of a decency, I take say, a seat, de, de, I'm going to spit it out, de, de, desensitization of our society. We no longer have any understanding of what's right or wrong. And when that happens, we are willing and capable of doing anything to get what we want. Bitterness and hatred left alone, it will grow and it will fester until you lose all compassion for others. Herodias prompted such a senseless murder because of hatred and pride, and it hindered Herod from preventing it. Watch the news 
today. Look at social media. Get on the internet. Folks, if we're not careful, we're living in a world that's losing compassion. And it's all because Jesus has been shoved to the side and he's not at the center. Now, I did this on purpose. I skipped verses 14 through 16 at the beginning because I want to end on this today. I want to talk about the affliction of Herod. I want to talk to you. Remember I said at the beginning that some believe that there were actually two deaths that took place in this story? In verse 14, it says, King Herod heard about it because Jesus' name had become well known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. You see, this verse, it's speaking of the fame and popularity of Jesus at this point, all right? When Herod... And remember I said that the the death is in retrospect, okay? So as we're starting this, this is like looking back, Herod's already, or, or, or John's already been executed. So when Herod hears about Jesus, he immediately assumes that John the Baptist has come back from the dead and was performing great miracles among the people. When Herod hears about Jesus, he, in, in, in the very instant that he hears, says, John the Baptist, the one that I beheaded, the one that I killed, he's back. And this reveals, although time has passed since the execution, Herod is still being haunted by the injustice that he caused. When Herod hears about Jesus... He immediately goes back to John the Baptist, which tells us Herod is still dealing with his death, all right? You see, what we need to understand is that sin provides pleasure for a season, but it always ends in destruction. It provides pleasure for a time, but it eventually brings about destruction. You see, many of us here today, well, in other churches, not here, okay, we refuse to receive the word of God. We refuse to heed to the word of God. And we live our lives, and we're in turmoil, and we're in conviction, and it seems like every time we turn around, something's going wrong. Something's not going the way it should. Something's not going the way it, 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 we want it to go, and, and, and we, we wonder why, and it's because, listen, when you are not surrendered to the Father, when you don't, I'm going to get all preachy here for a second, when you are not under, under the control of the Holy Spirit, when you could die, you do not allow God to be first in your life and guide you in the steps that you take in life, you're going to enjoy it for a real while. But it ain't going to last because nothing that is not centered in Christ Last. 
And see, many of us, we refuse to listen to the word of God. We refuse to heed the word of God. And then when conviction and turmoil and structures come, we're like, why? In the silent moments of life, the spirit of God speaks to our heart. And we ponder the truth. We hear and we understand the reality of eternity. But we do nothing with it. We won't admit it. And then we wonder about death and heaven and hell and eternity. And we're so insecure. And the reason for that is because the only way you and I can find security is in Jesus Christ. Verse 15 and 16, he affirms this. It says, but others said, he's Elijah. And still others said, He's a prophet, like the one the prophets from long ago. When Herod heard it, he said, No, it's John, the one I beheaded. He's been raised. You see, in this passage of Scripture, in this portion here, some of the Jews, they thought that maybe Jesus was Elijah come back, you know, one of the prophets of old come back from the dead. But Herod was never convinced that he was one of the prophets. He was convinced completely that Jesus was John the Baptist. Herod believed the man he had executed had risen from the dead and had apparently returned to torment him. This is a tragedy. You want me to tell you why this is a tragedy today? Because you see, although Herod, and this is where I want to go with this as we wrap this up. What time is it? Oh, we got plenty of time. Okay, I'm not going to tell my joke though, all right? You know what my joke is. I got, I got, I got in trouble because I always tell the joke, I'll have you down, out of here by two or three. I say that every week, don't I? And I was told I wasn't allowed to tell that joke anymore. I didn't say it last week. It was two weeks. Well, I kind of slipped it in today. <laughs> you know I'm not going to have you here till 2 o'clock, okay? 1.30 maybe. I'm just kidding. Now I lost my spot. Okay. All right. No, I didn't. <laughs> Although Herod refused the message of John and the truth of the gospel through his own admission he believed in the resurrection of the dead you see it right here he believes that John has been raised from the dead so he believes it he believes in a foundational truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and yet refuses to see Jesus as the Christ, Savior of humanity. You know, as I was reading this and I was thinking about this and I was pondering about this, I was realizing that every single day people are on this path of confusion and deception. They believe there is existence beyond the grave, and yet they refuse the only means of eternal life. Did you hear that? They know that sin is wrong. They even feel guilty at times about it. 
but they refuse to repent and seek the Lord for salvation. And no doubt, this state of confusion and denial, it will continue as long as we live upon this planet. I believe that until Christ returns. You see, we see in Herod's rejection in this passage, in this, all we have in this passage concerning Herod, we see his rejection. I think about Luke chapter 23, verses 6 through 11. Or, or I'm not going to read that this morning, but if you go back to, if you go over to the Gospel of Luke, following the Lord's arrest and condemnation by the Sanhedrin, remember who, remember who, remember who they took Jesus to? Do you, remember, do you remember when Pilate, when Pilate was like, I, 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 I'm not going to deal with this? Remember who Pilate took Jesus to? Come on. Who did he take him to? Herod. That's right. And I remember when Jesus goes before Herod, all right? Herod, he makes no mention or belief of, of faith and belief in Jesus. Herod, at this point, all he wanted from Jesus was for him to perform some kind of a miracle. Herod was interested by this, at this point by entertainment. He was not interested in salvation. The Herod that we see who is interested in the message of John, who is convicted by the message of John, but because of pride will not give in to the message the one who is tempted and deceived into taking the life of John and feels the guilt and remorse of taking his life, the Herod who, when Jesus comes on, to, on the scene and begins to perform miracles, is convinced that John the Baptist has been raised from the dead and he's back to torment him, is now the Herod who looks at Jesus and says, entertain me. Show me a miracle. Show me something that's going to entertain me. And as far as we know, Herod died in his sin. Died lost. There is no evidence that Herod ever got back on the right track. I want you to, I, I, I just did that for you because I want you to see the progression of Herod because it's important for us to understand this progression as we look at our own lives. This is a very scary passage of scripture in some ways for us. Because you see, while John was alive, he respected John and he desired to hear him preach. And at the moment, at that moment, the Spirit was clearly dealing with his heart. Upon hearing of Jesus, Herod assumed that he must have been John's resurrected from the dead. And again, he was confronted with the truth, but made a conscious decision to reject it. Each time Herod rejected truth, his heart was hardened more toward the gospel. 
By the time Jesus stood before him just prior to his crucifixion, his heart had become completely hardened. His conscience had been seared. And I believe he may have been turned over to, you remember this word we used to preach about all the time? To a reprobate or a corrupt mind unable to see the things of God or the way of salvation. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, when he says, And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt, or as in the King James, a reprobate mind, so that they, were, so that, so that, that they do what is not right. You see, growing up, I grew up reading the King James Bible, okay? That's what I grew up in, okay? It was called, in the King James, it was called a reprobate mind, okay? And that phrase, reprobate, I'm, I'm, I'm having an ADD moment, so just deal with me. I'm off on a tangent, okay? Uh, the reprobate mind, that's, that's in reference to those whom God has rejected as godless and wicked, Okay, in other words, uh, they suppress the truth by their wickedness, and it is upon these people that the wrath of God rests. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The Greek translation for this reprobate in the New Testament is adokimos, okay? All right? Which literally means unapproved. That is rejected by implication, worthless, literally. What I'm trying to tell you here today is that if we keep rejecting God, we keep turning away from God, we keep denying God, we keep doing what we want instead of what He wants, we keep doing the things that are making us happy, knowing that they're not going to make us happy long term. We keep saying, hey, I'm going to get right with God someday, but right now I'm enjoying the life I'm living. I'm enjoying the things I'm doing, that God just gets in the way of the things. God is more not, is, is messing with me, and I'll get, can I tell you something? If we keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that, at some point, I am fearful that God's going to say, listen, I'm going to give you what you want. And it's obvious that you don't want me. Now, I don't know the theology on that completely. But here's what I do know. I see Herod, who believes and is interested and is convicted. I see him continuously rejecting, continuously stopping, continuously going in a different direction to where at some point he is so hard that it doesn't seem like anything penetrates. And I don't know when that time comes. I don't ever want that time to come in my life. But more importantly, I don't want that to ever happen in your life. This is a tragic and it is a sobering passage of Scripture. The life of an innocent man, and team, you can start heading this way, ended tragically due to hatred, bitterness, and pride. 
the heart of a convicted man died within him long before he ever took his last breath. And that's Herod. The heart of stone sealed his eternal destiny. No doubt, I, can, I have no doubt in my mind that Herod would love to hear John preach one more time and call upon him to repent. But as far as I know, that opportunity will never come again. He rejected truth, and now he is dealing with the eternal consequences. Folks, as we sit here today, we also need to respond to the truth that we have received. I am thankful the gospel was presented to me. I'm going to tell you right now. I am thankful every single day that I grew up in a Christian home, that I had godly parents who proclaimed the gospel to me every single day of my life, that I had grandparents who preached the gospel into my life, that I was surrounded by people who gave me the gospel. And folks, I am, I am convinced that God will proclaim the gospel and make it possible for every single person to hear it. But we have to receive it. And for those of us who know Jesus and have Jesus as first in our life, we need to be concerned with those around us who have heard like Herod, but have not yet received. That's why I talk about disciples who make disciples that make disciples. Folks, we cannot just be satisfied with receiving Jesus into our hearts and sticking around, waiting around to go to heaven. God has given us a mandate, has given each and every one of us a calling not only to receive the good news, but to proclaim it to every person that we come in contact with. So this morning, as we all stand, and I get ready to close in prayer, and that means you can stand now. My first question to you is, have you responded to the gospel? Because if you haven't, and, and the gospel is... Jesus Christ is Lord. He came. He died on a cross. Three days later, he walked out of the grave victorious. Yeah! All right? And because he did that, if you will repent, believe, and follow, you're one of his disciples. And you not only are a disciple, but now you get the privilege of being a part of the ministry of making disciples. So my first question this morning is, have you received the gospel? Because if you haven't, that's where it begins. And it has nothing to do with how clean you are or how straightened up you are or what you do or don't do because 
the cool thing about Jesus Christ is he doesn't care what you've done or where you're at. All he cares about is your future. If things aren't figured out right now, he'll help you get them figured out. You don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. He'll help you figure that out. And let me just tell you something. Speaking personally, sometimes it takes a while to get clean. Dude, for me, there was a lot of scrubbing that needed to take place. I'm serious. You know? And I'm still getting clean. I'm still working on it. I can't even run a computer. <laughs> but that's where it begins. And if you have received the gospel, then the next challenge is to be obedient to what he's calling you to do. Be obedient to the challenges that he's given you. To find that ministry, to find that calling, and to find your true purpose. Because every single one of you, through Jesus Christ, does have a purpose. Amen. Let me just tell you today, and then I'm going to close with prayer. If you keep putting Jesus off, if you keep setting him aside, saying tomorrow, 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 I'm here to warn you, tomorrow may not come. And I'm also here to challenge you that the more that you put it off, the easier it will become to put it off. And before you know it, this life as we know it will be over. I don't want that for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask right now that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, let us hear exactly what it is you want us to hear today. And Lord, I pray that we will humbly respond and we will be the men and women of God that you have called us to be. I pray this in your precious name.